Hey everybody, this is Mike from The Cut. Just want to let you know real quick that if you're hearing this message, you will not be hearing any music tracks during our episode. This is because you're not listening to us on Spotify. Only on Spotify can we play the music track. So if you're listening to us anywhere else, totally fine. Just want to let you know why there's no music. Now, without any further ado, let's get the show started. Hello and welcome to The Cut Music. We are your hosts, Mike and The Moosh. <laughs> so I want to get this out of the way real quick. As always, you guys can hit us up at The Cut Music One uh, on uh, at Twitter at The Cut Music One on Instagram. The Cut Music One That's the number one in both cases. Send us an email to Mike at TheCutMusic.com, Moosh at TheCutMusic.com, info at TheCutMusic.com. Or if you're an artist or another podcast and want to get in touch with us for guest spots, that would be sent to press at TheCutMusic.com and be sure to check us out on YouTube. Okay, now that we got all of that out of the way, I wanted to get that done real quick because uh, Moosh, we've done it yeah. again. We've done it again. We 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 have an artist on our show that we are going to do uh, we're going to we're going to walk through his new album which mm-hmm. i have been sprinting through over the last like 2 weeks and the artist today is brown bear uh matthew hickman welcome to the show man hey how's it going uh, it's going uh, fantastic nice yeah thanks for having through. me thank thanks you for, for being, being on here. you know yeah <laughs> yeah you know how weird it is i i i stumbled i was scrolling through twitter and I just saw you had retweeted. I wasn't following you. I didn't know who you were, but somehow you ended up on my newsfeed and you retweeted a very positive comment from one of your fans. And I jumped into that thread and I just saw all these comments from fans of your music. And I remember putting on there, I said something like, I have no idea what anybody's talking about, but I'm going to go find out. And yeah. That was like three weeks ago, and here you are, which is, it's, yeah. <laughs> I just think it's amazing. It, it's it's mind-blowing to me because I'm in Scotland, and it's like, it's more mind-blowing in the, in the sense that um, we're still not like a, a huge band even here, but but one thing we do have is like, someone once said to me, like, you don't, you don't have the most followers of in the world, but like the people who follow you really love you, and like that's quite strange now for a band because I, I, know, I know like a lot of bands have fans that seem like they love them because like the way they act and a lot of them have like these fan groups or they're like you know fan clubs but like we we have fans that like I feel like they genuinely know us you know like they feel like they feel like they're my friends when I meet them and sometimes I've never met them they come up and they're like hey Matt just start chatting to me <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I, I'm, I leave going did I know that person? So it's been cool, you know. So it's been, yeah, man, it's been it's been a really lovely um, experience, and then for it to spread so far and wide, and to, 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 to we can see the listeners, and you know, we've got listeners in America and Canada and Australia. People were flying from Toronto and Germany and uh, Mexico, I think, for the shows. And it's like, wow, how does that happen? It's crazy. Well, I it's, it's definitely the global market we have now with, I mean, Spotify and the internet and everything, just being able to access everything from around the world and the things that are good the things that have quality because anybody can put out content mm-hmm. but 
when there's good content that starts to shine through yeah the rest of the muck that is out there so i mean and, yeah. and but i mean it's still a minutiae right like you know there's there are there are artists out there that that are the would otherwise be the next great thing that will probably never get discovered just because of yeah i mean i can i can say just scrolling through twitter like i check out every new artist that shows up in our news feed obviously uh and it's it's great that technology has made everything so accessible but then again now everything is accessible but you know matt it doesn't surprise me that you have people flying in because i I'm curious, what's your perspective on this? I, I feel like, you, you know, you were saying people come up and they say, hey, man, how's it going? And you're like, oh, great. Wait, did I know that person? Um, I feel like I feel like the artist medium, especially in music, is is magical in the sense that they're getting a glimpse into your soul, so to speak, into what makes you tick. But at the same time, they're only relating to you through their own experiences, which is why some people can listen to a breakup song and they feel it's about their dog or they feel like it's about losing a, a loved one or something like that. What's what's your perspective on like that magical connection with with your crowd? For, for me, I think like I've, I've always just been very much myself. And I suppose in the nature of the way I post is like, kind of this is what we're doing and, and probably one thing that really changed for me was during lockdown um I started doing lives on Instagram but with other artists and we'd just sit and chat about music and folk I think saw oh man he's really great at speaking and he's quite personable and as they've gotten to know me and, and the way I tweet and stuff like that I guess like I've always just been myself but at the same time like I only say what I would say and I don't I, you know I'm not coming on and being like hey I'm this character and I look this way and I'm so cool and please I'm just like yeah this is where I am and this is the music I do and I hope you like it and um I kind of have always lived in the way that I want my music to do the talking and it feels a little bit like that's been the case and it's really this really lovely place to be and then and then I guess it's a bonus when people meet me and they think he's actually all right as well I'm glad he's got <laughs> a lot of people meet me and they don't really know how to take me they're like oh what's he going to be like and I'm like Oh, just just me, you know. Like, it's still funny to me. I, I grew up in such like a. I don't really know, maybe how you would you would call it in the states, but like I grew up in a really working class small town, and like the thought of someone having a career in music is just not possible. So to everyone I grew up with, we're all kind of like, man, like this is almost hilarious that that's what you do, and as long as you're doing it, just let's this is just. But this wasn't what was intended for us in life, you know. That wasn't the aspirations I never had in life, and um, I guess every every day that someone comes up and they still listen to my music or they know who I am, like it's just it's just humbling. And uh, yeah, it's been cool, man. I, just, I was I was at a wedding yesterday, <laughs> and uh, soon as soon as I walked in the door, my, my partner said, "You know, people are going to recognise you now." I went, nah, nah, I don't think so. As soon as I walked in the door, so I was like, "Man, are you brain bear? Like, could we get a selfie and all that?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm actually, yeah, sure." <laughs> like, yeah, wow, I can't. Uh, like that feels like an obscure answer at a pub quiz now. You know, <laughs> did they ask you to play the bride down the aisle or anything? Nah, man, I would ruin the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. You've got some like I noticed this when I was listening to your your latest record. It's so filled with hope. Everything feels hopeful. Yeah. All the all the sounds and the tones and the chord progressions and every like the musicality of it is just like it's very hopeful and that's i don't know what else i can like how, to, how else to describe it 
But in like <laughs> for the past three years, we've been like flooded with a lot of just like the world's ending. Everything's going to shit. You know, I mean, it's just there's so much like weird music coming out that's um more satirical or uh, darker and a lot of like just more, I want to say grungier tones. And you're like you listen to your latest record is just like a breath of fresh air. It's like coming up from being like yeah. down in the deep like ocean and then coming up and be like, Oh, there's there's life up here. Like there's there's hope to be had. Like it's it really it's really good feeling music. <laughs> yeah, and, and what I what I love is you you know you can you can tell a good lyricist by the way they speak. And I, I listened to an interview uh, for a podcast uh, over in Scotland that, that you were on, and one of the things that you said, and I actually wrote this down, is uh, people aren't getting enough of what they love. And just a suggestion, Matt, that's a great album title. Just saying, yeah. uh, you know, and <laughs> that was, just, yeah, and, and I don't know if that's something you ever thought about before or whatever. It sounded like it was straight off the cuff. Um, and that's exactly how I, how I felt about your music. And I think when I came back and, and commented on that same thread, after I listened to the album demons, one of the things that I said was it's, there's something very like, you know, moose shed a, a breath of fresh air, but there's also something so familiar about it. I don't think you, you sound like these these guys really at all, but I think your music is in the same vein. Are, are you familiar with the Black Pumas? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh man, if I could ever see you guys on tour together, holy shit! Oh, I um, love that. They've got they've got that really nostalgic. Yeah, um, yeah, they do. The textures. Te it's just, it's not, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say their songs have the nostalgic song vibe because they don't. They still land very much within a genre to me. Like they have a sound rather than songs necessarily yeah which is the one thing that's stopped them being like when i first heard them i felt like i was going to be as obsessed with them as i was like someone like the first time i heard alabama shakes but they didn't, oh, yeah. quite, they didn't quite have the songs for me but they had the total genre thing and they had like everything sonically was there and, and like the one thing i'd love to see from from that act for me is just like a little bit more of like that song right like i just mm -hmm. which is kind of i i know what a lot of people probably love about them is it, it's like a real albums album and that's cool but i still think you still have to have that song and i don't know that like that's the one thing for them i've always feel like it's never drawn me back in enough i do love them but they're not like i say when i heard alabama shakes like that first record you were like oh i can't stop listening because all these songs are songs as well they're so great and they stand like, alone all, yeah, they stand, exactly. They stand alone as their own songs or singles, whatever you want to call it, in that in that vein. Um, but yeah, it, but it felt like for a lot of people, especially here, like it's they're quite quite niche black humans, which is a shame because they're they're great. Yeah, Eric Burton's voice. Uh, I, I remember when Moose showed him to me for the first time. I had never heard them, and I think he played Colors. And when when Eric Burton hits that uh, that high in that first chorus, I just got absolute freaking chills and the only reason i bring up the black pumas is because i like i said I, you guys you guys are i i guess you're not similar i'm just i guess what it is is like when i'm in the mood to listen to them or you i'm in the mood to hear the other and that's kind of mm. what i was doing is i was playing you guys and i i have black puma on vinyl unfortunately uh i miss out on on your vinyl i i i was late to to the train station and you sold out like right uh, right as i was about to and i'm like you and it's a colored like like vinyl it's yeah. like a dark red right this and, is the first yeah. i'm hearing about this mushi and i never talk no, <laughs> no. Not, that's on the show really oh my gosh dude i would love to get your vinyl 
Yeah. Listen, so. we still listen. We're going to have to. We've got. We've still got copies for the tour, so I'm going to have to. Um, we'll figure something out. We'll figure out if we can get one sent across. That would be we'll, oh my god! We'll, that do would, we'll do it, man. Don't worry. We'll, we'll keep going. I'll pay, I'll pay shipping. Hands down. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> don't yeah. mind buying, I don't mind buying the whole thing. <laughs> oh yeah, man, that would be man. amazing. Yeah, we'll start. Listen, we'll start out. Don't worry. All right. Awesome. Well, hey, speaking speaking of the album, why don't we why don't we get to your your first track? What what song do you want to to open up the show with? Let, let's uh oh, I suppose. Well, this is hard. Let, let's go. Like, Close call was the first single, so let's start at the start. Right, we'll we'll do that. Definitely, let's do it. So this is Close Call from Brown Bear off their new album, Demon. Yes! That's it, man. There's there's that (laughs) breath of fresh air, hope, just catchy as melody you have in there. And yeah. Oh, the uh Moose, you were you were you were commenting on on the the break, yeah, the, the bridge, the, the break, yeah, the break in the middle where like um everything kind of breaks down and you got the chorus going, you're singing, and like the horns come in to play that secondary melody, like yeah. I just that's my favorite part of the whole song. It just shows like the di- the dynamics and the flow yeah. of the whole song. It's just it's really well composed. I enjoy the whole like start, middle, end, perfect. <laughs> this has been this is one of those instances of. Meeting the right person in the in Ross Hamilton, who's called Buzzkiller as a producer, who totally just got me. And, and, and every time something's gone amazing in my career, someone's met me and they've heard it, an idea and they went, "I'm into it, man." I know. I know most people might say, "No, let's do it." And um, with this song, I, I took a while to get. I had the riff separately, and I had the song. I had the song there, but not the riff, and I was not into it. And I put them together, and went, "Yeah, this is it." So then that coming back in is obviously kind of necessary. But it was funny with the breakdown. We didn't really, didn't really have the breakdown. It'd been a guitar solo originally, and I was like, I just don't love it. And Ross was like, Well, man, you're gonna have to write a, a middle eight. And we've only really got now, so hurry up. And I was like, <laughs> just playing, and I was just saying, like, you know that thing you do. And I just get saying it's been a long time coming. Let's make our break. And then I was really thinking about like what that really means. And I was like, well, it's funny because you, I'd been with someone and it felt like that, but I hadn't been with them very long. And I was like. It's like that cynicism in it, like it's a long time coming for short time lovers because you knew from the start. Yeah, yeah, you knew from the start it was never working. So like you say it's a long time coming, but you you knew on day one it was. And and I think everyone, you know what's so universal about it is that everyone goes through that in their life where they're in a situation where it's work or a relationship or even a relationship with a family member where they've kind of known from the start it's not working, but it's really hard to be that honest about it. And I think that's the refreshing thing about songs. You hear someone say, like no, nah, it's okay to think that, or they thought it as well. And you go, oh goodness, I'm not, I'm not the only person that thinks that. And that's, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was that's close the beauty call. of songs. Yeah, I it was a close <laughs> plenty of family members to put in that category. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one one particular family member that doesn't fall into that category that I want to talk about is uh your your inspiration to become a or just to love music. Maybe not to become a musician at first, but just to love music. Uh. I, I think like me, uh, I, I, was, I was reading that when you were about nine years old, your your dad used to blast music on vinyl. And, yeah. you know, you got a love for like Nina Simone and like that era and all that. And I was just we just recorded an episode last night. I was just I was just talking about how my dad used to blast one particular song from Guns N' Roses, but it was mixed in with a whole lot of Zeppelin and a bunch yeah. of other classic rock stuff. So. What, how did that shape your you know your you're you're not you don't get to control the radio 
at nine years old. You don't get to choose. You're probably not even allowed to touch the vinyl at that age. Right. But like how, like in what way and how, how has that even uh, continued to influence you over the years? Like your dad basically being a DJ in the house. Yeah. It was just so good because a few things like one, because like my dad listened to such cool music. So like, you know, you'd wake up in it, like, I mean, the first the immigrant yes. song first thing in the morning, you're like, yes, here we go, man. And um, but then at the same time, like I've said this before in interviews, like he listened to everything. Sometimes he'd come home and he'd have like this pop record and I'd be like, why have you got that? Like, I thought you were cool. And he's like, and he sort of said to me like, why do you know if you like somebody if you not listened to it? Just put it on. And then he, wouldn't, he might never listen to it again, but he would just go and buy the newest record, put it on, listen to it, and then figure out what he liked about it. And he, he always just had this thing of like, well, I think this is a good song. And then and then I guess like that made me realise that like it's not about bands and genres. It was just like, what is a song good or not? And like he really explained to me that, you know, yeah, okay, you might see like a pop artist or like a like a, a girl group or a boy band uh, performing it, but there's people who are great songwriters that are writing those songs. And so I, I kind of, from a young age, had a respect for like the business and how it worked and an understanding of like the creation of songs and then yeah so like I'm really I'm really grateful that that's the way he was and that even though he was a rock person through and through you know he was like Led Zeppelin Queen and then the Blues like I think I said before they had like Lead Belly in the house like you know everything it was still like it was okay to listen to like Robbie Williams if that's what he was like if you like it that's what you listen to and if you don't like it, you don't, he, he, he just never, he never felt like he had to justify anything to anyone. He's like, this is what I like to listen to. And, um, and as, as a songwriter, I've grown up just going, it's not like I don't think about it in the studio. I, you know, there's been a few songs in this record, I was like, I wonder how they'll go down. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know what, they mean a lot to me. And I feel like some someone's going to re- like relate to it. And I've never overthought it. And maybe because of that, we have our own sound. And again, that's something that like a lot of artists you know, spend years and years tearing the hair out trying to create a sound and, and they never do or, or their whole thing is just sound and not the songs and they miss one that element and I think I've just always been like, well, as long as the song's good, we'll be all right. And that's how it's been, you know? That's cool. I, I really, like, it sounds like your dad kind of helped influence you on, like, breaking down bias, like, musical yeah. bias. Just, like, it doesn't matter where they rank, so to speak, on, like, a billboard chart or anything like that, but is it quality? Yeah. Yeah. Moose yeah. and I weren't so fortunate. Our, both of our dads have been quoted as saying uh, the C is silent in rap, which was like the dad joke of the early 90s. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and, and Moose, Moose dabbles uh, in hip hop. I grew up on it later, but the, my, my dad was was not um, my dad didn't break down musical biases. My dad had his like 15 bands that he listened to and <laughs> it was always that. So actually, that leads me to my next question. It's on the on the same topic, Matt, is like what album were you awoken to that you were like, it's going to be, it's going to be a good day. Like your dad would play this, this one record and that's what woke you up out of your bed that morning. You went, yeah, this fits. This is, this is what it is. Uh, for me, it was Led Zeppelin four. Whenever I, I got woken by that, that was it. What was yours? Uh, that's a great question, but Wow. Mm. I would say that I didn't have a record per se. I knew that it was going to be a good day when 
my dad woke up, he had the garage door open and he was going to do like housework and yard work and like just mm -hmm. cleaning. And he would just, he uh, had set up speakers all throughout the house so that every room, outdoor, patio, inside, kitchen, bathrooms even had a speaker. Pioneer stereo systems with those damn yeah. speakers. <laughs> <laughs> there was a speaker everywhere in the house so that no matter where he was, he could hear like the FM, like classic rock station. Like he didn't even play yeah. like a record. It was just like the radio station. And he would blast it through the whole house, and that's how he would just get work done. Is listening to the yeah. like, morning yeah, radio and the classic rock station. But I think I think may maybe a night at the opera because when you hear that and like because think about that as a kid as well. When you hear something like Bohemian Rhapsody, there's so much going on. Your brain goes, "What did I just? What did I just hear?" And it, yeah. I think the nature of that song is like, "Sorry, you have to play that again because I don't know what." You can't possibly take in all the sections, so <laughs> intrinsically you're like, "Sorry, Dad, forget the other tracks for a minute." What what just happened? <laughs> so so I reckon like that was a big one, and also like they had, I don't know if you remember, but <laughs> they had those um like like I, I feel like at the time I was really like starting to hear music like compilation CDs were big, yeah, and like there were things like this now? is what I call yeah now, now or this is what I call air guitar. Yeah. So then it's the first time <laughs> you know the, the yeah, first time you hear those. hear a riff. Yeah, so basically it's like it's like pick of the riffs, man, and you're like, whoa, 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 go back one. What was that riff? That was crazy. And then you <laughs> then you then you start asking your dad, like, what what's this band? And they'll be like, Oh, they they've got loads of great songs and then they well, here's a here's an, an Aerosmith album or oh and I I still I, I always had this thing for hip hop when I was wee, but my dad didn't. So to me, like I guess the only place we met was like run DMC and Aerosmith doing yeah. walk this way. Like maybe that was our only neutral ground on that subject, but it felt great because it was like the the mix of uh, rock and hip hop. And to me, like hip hop's the new rock and roll, and it's like the new spokesperson for cultural and social mobility. Whereas like in the old days, like rock and even pop musicians used to have like a a social tendency, and they used to think about it. you could see it in their videos. And I just feel like now those artists are so far removed from like saying anything. Um, they feel redundant to me and that's a lot of what I was talking about when there just isn't music that you either love or you want to dance to that still yeah. means something like in Motown or there just isn't music that's saying something or it's like too overtly that the whole thing is just we're saying this one really state like really bold statement and it's in your face and there's not even a song to it it's like there used to be nuance and it used to be like universal and then that's how messages spread and yeah um, sadly that's been lost a bit of music for me and certainly, certainly in the commercial space hundred hundred percent it's all very commercialized and you know when i look at hip-hop now uh because i grew up on 90s west coast uh yeah. uh you know nwa tupac uh even you know bone thugs and harmony and stuff like that those are those are my that's what i listened to growing up and you know it, it's very it's what you what you just said i mean there's a lot of messages in tupac's lyrics but they were they were delivered subtly enough to where it wasn't it didn't take away from the song. It was part of it. And I think the only, the really the only two people I can think of nowadays is like J Cole and Kendrick Lamar. Those are the only yeah. two that still have that grace about what they do. And uh, you know, the social split that you were talking about with uh, with hip hop and rap. I mean, one of mine and Moosh's all time favorite bands is, is Lincoln park, which I like, I, I love that band. They, they are probably my favorite band of all time, but I think they're responsible in an indirect way by colliding these two 
genres and then getting the record levels to chase after it because it kicked off the whole new metal scene and out of that we got we got some good bands some some bands that have been around for a while got got bigger like corn uh we got disturbed out of that we got slipknot out of that but we also got fucking limp biscuit out of that like (laughs) so but i i think it set off this weird commercial fork in the road where you know rage against machine didn't last for too much longer and now i don't think rage against machine could re it could happen again today i think it would just uh, it just wouldn't work and that's sad it's evolution but it's sad but, but um, we kind of need yeah. it more than ever like oh we god need, yeah like but it's hard because that was a perfect storm wasn't it like that's like sometimes when we talk about um music or we talk about something that happens culturally we, we just talk about the one instance but like that was the perfect storm of like this real american cultural rise of like like bros and like South Park and like yeah. attitude attitude era wrestling and like the world was angst angsty in that way and like that's not where we are now and it's like and 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 for some in some ways it's good that we're not in that place because there was a lot of negatives like you say that came with that rebellious culture yeah but we need we need it now more than ever and and sadly like people we're we're in this weird space where like the the right wing have convinced the right wing that they need to rebel against the left wing even though the right wing are in power and it's like it's just leaving people really messed up it's all these people who vote in a government and then say that they don't believe in the government but they continue to vote in the same government that they don't believe in and it's like oh for fuck's sake that's what that's why we're gonna prove we're gonna prove the government doesn't work by getting elected and not working yes i i i I totally hear you it's Uh, it's the same across the pond don't worry it's happening here (laughs) but uh you're you know, one of the things that you mentioned, it reminds me of uh, the Woodstock documentary. The HBO did one and Netflix did one and they were they were about the same. They covered it was weird. It was like it was like a cover. I think HBO came out first and Netflix like did a cover of a documentary and they're both mm-hmm. really good. But, um, you know, it's weird. You know, you mentioned South Park and the WWF attitude era at the time. Uh, that was the last time I watched wrestling. I was in my l- I wasn't even a teen. I don't think I was maybe like from eight to 12. I was watching that. And it's like the world was, or at least America at the time was craving to be offended, craving to be shocked Mm. with, 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 you know, and you had rage against machine at the time. And it's like, we're coming off of this burn, uh, you know, let's steamroll all of these, all of these rap records that are poisoning our white children. And uh, let's uh, go after video games like Mortal Kombat and stuff like that, because that's going to make violence happen. Let's blame Marilyn Manson and Ramstein for Columbine and all that other stuff. And then and Eminem, you know, being involved in that as well. And then all of a sudden there's this big middle finger from Trey Parker and Matt Stone uh, creators of South Park and Vince McMahon, the head of of uh, WWF at the time, and all this other stuff came out and offended everybody. And I know I loved it. I still do. I still watch South Park to this day. Yeah. Um, and now we need safe spaces, and that's on both sides of the aisle. Now everybody yeah. needs a safe space. It's it, that's a weird turnaround. Like we pivoted twice very quickly. Yeah, but I th- I think though it's like. It's it's like um that was so necessary because it wasn't that the 
It, see, the thing is, like, it, that wasn't a reaction to like people being PC or not offended or whatever. That was a reaction to like this really conservative, like people shouldn't have culture era mm-hmm. of life. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now, what people are saying is like everybody should have culture, and that includes people who are marginalised. Yeah, and people are going. Wow, everybody's so easy to offend. Let's offend people, and it's like, well, no, because you're offending the people at the bottom. The thing, the thing that was beautiful about South Park is they were punching up. Yeah. Now, when people talk about let's not offend people, what they mean is I want to punch down, and that's mm-hmm. the difference. Like people now aren't craving to fight a government; they're craving to be like the government, so that they can punch <laughs> down, punch down on everyone that they don't like. And that, to me, is like the social difference of like when people say that shit now, when they go everyone's so easily offended like no people aren't being offended they're just saying that like everybody should have rights you're only offended by that because <laughs> you you're, were hoping it was dick. your time and well no i yeah. think it's because they thought it's now my time to be the dick like yeah you, you, it's because they, they have this belief of like man i don't like donald trump but i sure like to be him and i feel yeah. like i'm more likely to be I'd, I'd rather i'd rather take the chance of being a billionaire than ever staying poor so I'm just going to punch all the other poor people around me in the hope that one day I'm rich enough to forget about that pain. Instead of going like, do you know what? We'd all actually be a lot better off if we just hated them together. And it's like, <laughs> that's social mobility. Social mobility. I love it. Social mobility. No, definitely. Um, I don't know how to segue into a song out of this conversation. <laughs> I mean, we may, as well, we may as well jump in the deep end and go for Unity. We're here oh, now. shit. Yeah, you're go. right. Unity yeah. is perfect. Never mind. All right, so the, I got something for everything in this album. You got something yeah. for everything in this album. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> final, final closing track off of the album Demons. Here is Brown Bear's Unity. Oh my Perfect God. segue. I, I, what I, was I talking yeah. about? There was a segue. Oh, my God. Yeah, I got goosebumps every time I hear that song. <laughs> oh, man. No, that, that, uh, so one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, there's a lot of production in this. You got like a march. You got like marching band drums. You got these harmonies going on. You got like chains smacking on the floor. And uh, so when it came to uh, uh, What is Home, your 2018 album, uh, you, you were a bit constrained, right, with your with your like capabilities of of production what yeah. capabilities did you gain going into this album to be able to produce you know like a song like this and by the way close call and unity the first tracks we're playing on here these songs have to fucking rock at live shows there's yeah. so much room for audience participation but yeah <laughs> what uh was, what changed it was crazy i think budget you know we had a little bit of budget this time which we didn't have uh, and it's still not a lot um I just better musicianship this time around. You know, a lot. I'm a lot more experienced as a writer, understanding of music. Working with Ross is such an exceptional producer. Buzz Killer is like he produces at a really high commercial level. Um, but I think I think it's just an understanding, like you know, of what you're trying to achieve. And um, with Unity, it took a long time to pitch this, even to Ross. He kind of didn't know where I was going, and it was a bit in my head. But um. I really wanted this song and a lot of this album as like an exploration of like, I suppose, black culture and black music and that side of my heritage. And it's a funny thing to be in Scotland and probably like, the, I mean, I imagine there's people, there may be people in America who don't even know there's black people in Scotland. I actually once heard that Trevor Noah guy doing a bit in like Scotland saying he, there's no black people here. And I was just thinking, man, like, where are you? Like, and, um, <laughs> and 
so there's you know with uh, telling stories there's a little bit of a nod to reggae and um take your times a total nod to motown and soul and you know in unity like the, the thing is like we, we grew up in the church and like some of the singers grew up in the church and it was that thing of like this is a song it's about social justice there's a lot of a, a reference to like black american politics like malcolm x and harriet tubman and uh and that's so important in that diaspora because like we still learn from the culture and then all these leaders and there's like and it's so funny because sometimes there's this really um divided cut of like there's like African Americans and then there's people in Africa and then there's people in Britain that are back and it's like but we're all tied in a way because like see the missing links of what happened, like their the the history and the knowledge of that is here. And like there was there was equally slaves here and, and like we were such a big proponent of the slave trade in Scotland and then like that all led to what happened in America and it, and it all came back and we, we've had our issues here with police brutality both in England and in Scotland that have led to the deaths of black people and um, so there was just a lot of like the diaspora in my head and I was thinking really logically about music as well and I was like well you know like I, I really originally in that middle eight section I wanted to be like a kind of like that gospel feel like the really beat and, yeah. and I love that thing and like the, all the toms but yeah. the symbols are just too much in a record sometimes. And um, I think, I, I honestly think it was as simple as someone was like, what other kind of cultural thing could we do? Because we've got a bit of that, like that clap thing, the gospel thing. It's about the two step kind of like um, sorority thing. We've got like a little bit of the dance hall. We're thinking about the chains, like, and that's more of a like cynical nod to like pop, yeah. white pop production in country using chains as if they're like, as if they're for music when it's like, that's a whole cultural history. Uh, and then someone was saying like, well, you know, what about that kind of like really intrinsic, like a lot of the, especially Southern universities have that American football thing and they've got like the brass bands and like the drum beats. But then for us here, we all grew up with like piping bands and drumming. So like they were like, what if it's like a total college band thing, but it's also kind of a nod to like the fact that we have like marching bands here and that's a big thing in the UK and in Scotland and, uh, and then we went, yeah, this might work. And then it was like, and it was a bit of a fear at first because that's really produced for us. We're not like a, we're not like that kind of production level band. And I was like, I don't know. But then the more we did, they were like, but it just sounds sonically cool. And there's a lot of references yeah. and there's a lot of reasons for why we've picked these sounds. And then, yeah, it just felt right. And it felt really cinematic as well. And it, yeah. it leaves scope for like a visual project, which we're working on uh, getting I, funds to get a moment to make. So, yeah. Picking up on that, like, um, visual aspect of it or going for like cinema or or television even the first thing that i thought of when i heard the song for the first time was uh peaky blinders the, the yeah. netflix show like i i saw i was like dude this would fit perfect in like some montage of the peaky blinders i don't know why i mean it doesn't really follow into that same kind of cultural background that you described but the the tones and the um the auditory colors that you kind of paint with this this track just kind of beckons that like old world type of gospel church sound and i feel like peaky blinders had a lot of those kind of same colors in their mm -hmm. in their sounds in their soundtrack yeah yeah, yeah definitely. i i know or i've learned that uh, a band that moosh and i love is not t technically your favorite being the Beatles but one of the things that that song reminded me of was not a Beatles song but when that bridge comes in and you have all that orchestra stuff uh Phil Spector who was a piece of shit human being but was the the 
the godfather of doing that wall of sound where mm. you have, you know, without overproducing a track, you have all these different tracks loaded and you you blend them beautifully. And Buzzkiller, uh, Ross, the, your producer, I like I, I tip my hat to that guy. That was that's a the whole album is very well produced. But when you start adding in these harmony backup singers with their own melodies and their own rhythms, and then you add in the claps and you add in the 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 marching band drums and chains and all this other shit. And it just sounds like one complete sonic birth of, of music is that's as a audio engineer that doesn't have anywhere near the experience uh, your, your producer does. I I mean, that's the dream, right? Like that's what you're trying to do. And I think he nailed it beautifully in this. And I think we always set out as, um, as a team to like make sure that it, even pre-mix it sounded like this is the business and we knew the songs were there first and foremost and how we would arrange it and arranging is a big thing you know and then um, we had some great players on uh, Angela Chan played strings on this track and a few other tracks and Angela is plays for Placebo now and um, uh, Mikey Oars played horns He played for, he's played for Martha Vandell and the Reeves when she's toured over here so we had like some exceptional musicians to build this with and like I think I think a big thing about it is like I feel really blessed that Ross kind of let me come in and be part of the production it wasn't like well you've got songs and I produced them it was very much we, we worked through it and we produced it together and even, even at the end of the record like he was a bit like I feel like you should be listed as a co-producer which I didn't I was like nah you know like I was just doing my bit as an artist but it was nice to be given that space to be like you know, we all talked as a team and we were like, how are we going to make this the best for the song? And I think that's the thing, like a lot of artists either go in and they don't have any idea and then the producer does it and it becomes like that or they come in with too much of an idea and like the producer. And we just had this lovely synergy of like, every song was a different case study. Cool, what are we doing for this? <laughs> we, we discussed it, we talked it out and we were given the space and the respect to, to do that. And then, um, but in, at no point did anything ever matter more than the song. And I think... Part of being able that's, to do that is having the song, right? That's amazing. Yeah. That's um, so like refreshing to hear just that you had your creative space and the the assistance and the help and the input that was just positive and it was all for making sure that your creation, you know, or the, your band creation, the whole the art that you are writing is exactly what you want it to be it's not being like oh well this isn't gonna sound good let me let's change this so that it sells better it's what sounds best and what is best for the song and for the emotion and for the the artistry behind it yeah yeah and, and it, go ahead i was just gonna say like I, i've said this a lot in interviews but i was always told and i've always lived by it that um if you can't sing any of those songs without all of this production and this is the way they were pitched just me and the guitar me and the piano and people go, wow, that's that's an incredible song. It's not a good song. Just go over it and move on. If you ever say, it'll be good when the strings are in, it'll be good when I get the guitar part on, it'll be good when it, it just means it's a bad song. Forget it. Move on. Just, just, and I do, I do, anytime I ever say it to myself, this will be good when this happens, I go, nah, not good enough. And I just forget it. And what we've done now is made two albums where people have consistently come back and said, there's not a bad song on the album or I find myself re-listening to this album, which I think to me, that's the greatest compliment when someone goes back and they listen and listen and, they, and every time they listen, they go, I found out a little bit more about this record every time I listened. 
And um, I don't think you get the right for people to do that without having songs that are worth listening to twice. And a lot of music now is made to make you want to listen to it once or like in a situation like, oh, I'll listen to it in the dance floor, I'll listen to it in, in whatever. And um, I don't, a lot of music I hear now that is getting up the charts, like I would, I can't imagine any of us will talk about in even two years' time. And for me, all the songs I love, I still speak about now from when I was like, Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever, right up, and I'll still be talking about them when I'm like eighty, because they'll still be great songs, because they were good songs, no matter how they were produced or who sang them, they were good songs, and um, I think that's what's lost in music at the moment. We've lost the song, sadly, and that's why we've lost connection, and we've lost people, and we've lost sales, and 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 you know, and so many people feel like there's no good music anymore, but there is. It's just that like it, songs aren't prioritized, so we don't hear them. Yeah, I. I... I find exactly what you just said and the cure for, at least for myself, was really getting into vinyl records and not just the pitch vinyl, but just buying a physical record. If it's a CD, a cassette, vinyl, or even buying the download, but just listening to it front to back, listening mm -hmm. to an entire record in the record order. So much like and Spotify is great. You can listen to anything from anywhere all at once. It's amazing. But to just go in and listen to the the record and just sit and actively listen to music, which is something I do now, I mean, several times a week, I'll just put a vinyl on and I'll just sit in my living room and like play with my daughter and we'll just listen to music. Like we're not doing anything else. The TV's not on. I'm not necessarily cleaning or distracted by other things, but I'm just like dancing with my one and a half year old, you know, and listening to music. And I feel like that's one of those things that is missing nowadays is because everybody has all the music all the time. And they just put a playlist on and then it's just do, background noise. Do, do you think the lockdown brought that back a bit? Like, I, f I feel like for me, lockdown made me start really listening to albums again. And like, yeah. I wanted that comfort and that story and that journey. And it made me listen to songs that made me go, oh, like, like if it wasn't albums, it'd be something like Motown where all the songs were great standard. And even though they were like joyful and upbeat, they still had a deep meaning. And I noticed a lot of people went back away with music in terms of like the, the years, not like, they regressed in their standard. Um, and part of that, I think, was just because music now had been so produced for, like, the commute and the move. It's just music while you're moving. It's just background noise. And suddenly yeah. people were had, had no movement. They weren't allowed to go anywhere. And they were like, this isn't really good. This isn't doing anything for me. This isn't comforting me. This isn't, like, making me feel happy or sad or anything. That is a I, great I, point. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what happened. And, then, and now what the business is doing is oh my goodness, we need songs again. But I'm sorry, there's there's been a deficit of like 10 years where you've not invested in writers. You can't get those songs because the writers aren't there. Because all of the people who could have written great things because of their lived experience and their passion for songs couldn't afford to stay in the business because right. they weren't getting paid and they weren't getting opportunities. And now we need songs. And, and, and a great example of like, the right song will come and it will last the test of time and it will come back at the right time is like, Stranger Things and Run Up the Hill, Kate Bush, because that yeah. was such a perfect sync. And and if we were if we were to try and find something to sync from now, we just wouldn't be able to do that for that moment. It wouldn't have been the thing that it was, and it shows you the importance of uh, music and different styles of music and songs and like investment. And that's what we don't have. Like we don't have investment in songs and songwriters and and new productions. It's all. I mean, I listen to things. It's just it may as well be the same person I'm listening to in the same song. I'm just. It's doing nothing new for me. And, um, 
and that's quite scary for me because I'm making music that's just like my own thing and I'm like is it in the context of music now is this going to make sense to people are they going to be like what are these songs and it's been really lovely for people to go oh my goodness and and, and I think what they mean when they say this feels old is that or familiar is that like they're like this feels like when songs used to be songs that's the nostalgia of it even though it's got a very modern sound the nostalgia is that there are songs that are songs and that's like somehow a rarity in this day and age but unbelievably (laughs) that is the case like even though this is literally a business built on songs you're uh forgotten it like you're you're connecting some dots yeah. <laughs> of things that I think I knew but never realized. No, you're yeah. right because honestly, our show was was birthed during uh COVID because uh you know uh Moosh went through some you know, you you got laid off at the time and yeah. um my job, I just didn't have a whole lot to do. I was working like 2 to 3 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And so him and I would spend and then Zoom was free at the time and yeah. we're like, "Wait, we can share our screen with sounds?" Uh, cool. And this whole show came out of him and I spending hours several times a week away from our wives. Um, (laughs) and, uh, cause he's in Oregon, I'm in California and, um, just the stuff we found the bands that we found. And I think, I think you're right. When you, I, when we hear songs from, from, uh, from you it's easy to say wow this this kind of puts me like for me it kind of puts me back in the the 70s or 80s same like when i said the same mood that i'm in with like black pumas right we had the slow cooked bears on uh from london when i listened to them they transport me back to the 90s um but i just think the sound is so rare but it never left but now we're you know we're looking for it we're looking for these indie artists uh that are still producing these amazing tracks that never actually went away but when you hear them you get this bit of nostalgia because you got to go to a vinyl record that was produced in the 70s or 80s when music was music and uh actually get that kind of experience it's it's crazy so yeah i don't know if i knew this or not but you're definitely making me realize a few things yeah because because i noticed as well that like i would see bands and i'd go wow i'm so into their sound because it feels old (laughs) <laughs> but, but what bands were doing was literally just recreating like that sound. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm into it, and I'm into it for like the moment. But I know I'll never come back because it's still not. It has to be new. It's still no, it's no new song. So like, literally, what you see is essentially bands like try to recreate the Doors or recreate the Beatles or, but they're just becoming like it's essentially cover bands with like original songs, and it's like. I get your quest here sonically, but like we have to still find the new space. But that's impossible without time and money and development and like because how how do people afford to work in music now? Like they just I don't I, I don't know what the situation in the, in the states would be, but certainly in the UK it just would be possible. Yeah, and similar. It's, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty much like music's become reserved for like upper class people and. Well, yeah, we were uh, actually on the episode we recorded last night. We were talking about Ticketmaster and their their monopoly. And I don't I don't know if their monopoly is international or not, but I know oh, here yeah. in the yeah. So here in the United States, I mean, you, right? Taylor Swift is huge right now, and she capitalized on that feeling of nostalgia with her with her latest album, Midnight's. Right? It's very like the decor in her room where the pictures are yeah, shot a, and all that. Yeah, it's very like seventies. Yeah. 
Uh, and the idea of just putting headphones on and just listening to music, which pe- I, I, I agree with you. I think people really started to do because they weren't on the move for the last three years. But there's people like with her being on tour right now and being like the biggest star in the world at the moment. People are like sharing their ticket master receipts where it's like they paid, you know, $400 for the ticket and then $480 in fees. And it's like, what the fuck? I, I paid Ticketmaster more money than the the actual ticket costs. And it's like, I'd be okay paying $800 to go see Taylor Swift if I'm giving the money to the artist that I love that has changed my life or or brings me joy or whatever the case. But also, and perhaps more importantly, the roadies. The production the, team. The, the, the yeah. tour managers of the world, Matt. Those guys, the guys that actually make these shows happen, I would feel way better about it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, and you know a little bit about being a tour manager. Yeah. And Live, yeah. Live, Live Nation did that really like, and who knows what the outcome was. We're going to do a scheme during lockdown to save all the tour managers. And it's like, are you? I mean, yeah. you should, you, do you even have to announce that? Just go, just go and pay for it, but you can afford it. Like, I don't understand what the announcement is. But here's the other kicker, right? Like, the reason that still happens. I don't know if I should say or something. I feel, my personal opinion, we'll say it that way, right? Sure. Is that it's because, like, because these companies are not, they're monopolies, like Live Nation, Ticketmaster, they all work oh, together in tandem. Yeah. So those ticket fees aren't not going to the artist. They're just going to the artist through a different door. So don't kid yourself on, and, oh, oh, poor Taylor. Listen, oh no! Definitely her, not her management Taylor. company. Her, her <laughs> management company will probably be some sort of subsidiary of Live Nation, of which that, like, e- even the secondary ticket touts are owned by these companies. So, like, it's all one big game, and they're laughing in people's faces about it. They're laughing all the way. Every single one of them are laughing all the way to the bank, and it's great for them because the artists could technically walk out and say, "That's so terrible," and take your side. But they're in on it. Like, they're all in on it. And and this is what's wrong with music. That there's like a slight few people who are in on this pyramid scheme, and they're winning. And everyone else is is losing, and it just doesn't work. It's it's going to like crumble because there's no infrastructure, and there's no support from the bottom down, and there's no support for the the tour crew, the roadies. So many of the people in the UK left the business to go and work in in Dubai and and the rigs over there and and construction in other in other areas. And it's like they're not going to come back. Like the, some of them yeah. even just took normal jobs here and thought, you know, it's quite nice to be home, and mm-hmm. they've been so underappreciated and like <laughs> that, that that was the point. And what then with the business could have gone? Now is the time to fund. And what we should do first isn't have Elton John come back and Taylor Swift and try and get people to go in car parks. We should we should all be respectful and pause and let local venues open first because we're only allowed a certain amount of people in anyway. Fill fill capacities, bring back, build up the way. Let's yeah. go back and fund artists. Let's let's put out campaigns where we let people know that to buy a record is the same as supporting local businesses. Because when they said live music's gone, that's the end of music. Well, only because people don't buy records. And if we encourage people to to replace live tickets with records in that interim, we could have propped up a lot of things. But then they would be like, ah, but you know, the business work. It's just, it's too convenient for the people at the top how it works right now. And that's why they're, they're touting it as the best time in music. But it's the best time for about 1% people. And everyone else is failing. And, and inevitably that system's going to come crashing down. And we're in danger of losing music. That's the way I look at it. Like we really are in danger of like we just won't have anything new or or, or really great. Or we'll be like stuck with fucking AI writing songs for you. 
Oh, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you that'll know, be the that, best. That's, that's becoming a trend right now. The AI yeah. Yeah. You know, writing music. I, of course, I, that, that'll I benefit that then. Take off. But think about I, it. Like they they own they own shares in Spotify. They could pay for an AI. It can pull out things. They they they. I mean, ninety percent of playlists are major label artists, so they could just put all the AI on. They don't have to pay a writer. You don't have to pay a robot for song royalties. They can just generate royalties. It'll generate billions. Because it's not a business. It's not about songs for those people, is it? It's a business like any other business, and that's why people need to go. We don't want your business. Go we'll take it somewhere else. We've had enough. We want. We want music back. Music's for the people. It's not for suits. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the only thing, and I don't even want to use the word disagreed, but the only thing I, I guess out of hope that I disagree with what you said is I just believe that out of struggle, art of all types, mainly music. We'll find yeah. a way. And it's weird, as we were talking earlier, that we don't have a Rage Against the Machine. I mean, we have them, but, you know, they're not producing new new music. We don't have that big middle finger uh, that that we had before. But I I, I don't I don't want to even want to use the word faith. I just I would. That's where I would put my money. I would put my money that these ty- that that all types of struggle make great art. Right. Yeah. And you know what I'm tired of, Matt? I'm tired of these these little white lies. That's what I'm tired yes. of. Yes. <laughs> what a segue. This, this, is, <laughs> a this segue. has been, I had to make up because I totally wasn't thinking of Unity earlier. Uh, this, I, as of right this moment, and I've, ha- I've changed my mind a few times, this is my favorite song off of this album is Little White Lies. I love the melody. Here we go. Let's take a listen. Oh man, the the melody yeah. of your chorus, Matt. The especially at that part where you do the, uh, you know exactly that that just melody right there. It gets me every time. And then the the highs that you hit on the bridge and there towards the mm-hmm. end. Oh yeah. Oh my God, uh, Moose, you you were you were commenting on what the the, the seventh, seventh chord? chord? Yeah, when he yeah. hits the seventh yeah. chord and it kind of like it it suspends there and then resolves. I I'm a sucker for that. Every time, yeah. I love that. It's it's not being shy to give people what they want, and it's like, I think I think I I was listening to a lot of like, I mean, really old music, you know, like, uh, like from like honestly, like the Marie Osmonds and and like, I always tell people like um, the Rainbow Connection, you know, in the Muppets, it's like Kermit the Frog, like it's one of the best songs ever written and it's yeah, really, yeah. Don't, like, you have to go and listen to that song to, to get it and, and like Frankie Valley and stuff like that and and all those writers just had this real real understanding of chords and seventh and minors and not play four chords it was like you know chords have different movements and intonations and melody and how they moved and how the melody moved you into the bridge and then back and resolves and I guess I was listening to so much of that kind of really old school way of writing melodies that it's hopefully translated into this and, and I was really a lot more thoughtful with not just all these sections sound great. It's like, how does that journey and the melody happen and how far can I push my voice? And, you know, and then on top of that, you've got lyrically, you're trying to create a story. And, and um, I suppose like funnily enough to just form that segue of like me having that thing of like worrying with those music. The one thing I would say is like having done this record and against the odds, seeing all these songs go past where they should and reach people is kind of reinstilled my faith that like the song will always find its way where it needs to be. And um I think, you know, lyrically with this, I, I, I was trying to be really honest. And, and I think that comes through with 
how people have responded and I was just thinking a lot about being in a situation where you know someone's suffering but like their suffering's making your life worse and there's no way you can help them and the hardest thing to do is realise that like the best thing you can do sometimes is walk away and that's the you know like if there's any other day I would have stayed but like today is like this is I just can't do it anymore and that's the heart. Like I, I think, I find the finality of a goodbye in whatever context it is is always the hardest thing humans go through, because wow. finality is the thing we fear most, really, because it's like, but because we all have to come to, to some resolve of finality, and 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 then and in all situations, and um, but often out of that is like, you know, one of the people, one of the people in mind when I was singing a song, and I was writing the song, like they'd come through the other side and we probably have a much more beautiful relationship now than we ever did before. But that wouldn't have happened without walking away from each other and having the space to, to heal and, and not be like codependents. And, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's funny. It's funny because like the album everyone says is super uplifting, like really was like quite a dark place for me for a lot of it. But I guess it maybe what they hear is me working through all that and, getting out the other side and that's where the, the hopefulness comes in. I, I, I think that's it because uh, what I was going to say about this song is that emotionally, this song is very confusing for me. Um, mainly, mainly because of, you know, I, my, my wife and I, we met in high school. We started dating in high school and we've been married ever since. Um, and so it, it, in a way, it's not that I haven't experienced relationship heartbreak and shit like that, but um it's almost like the last time I was broken up with and was crushed, I that was my first like dive into Lincoln Park. And that's very much <laughs> that's very much I don't know what to do with all these emotions, so fuck you. Like that because it was it was their first two albums. They weren't they weren't totally mature yet. Um but when I listen to a song like this, like I hear the darkness, but it's still presented in this uplifting way and the, but the melody the, what i said i loved most about the song is i i love the second line of the chorus it, it gets me every time i listen to it and it's uh it's uplifting but at the same time it, it does deal with that finality that you that you were talking about where it's like i know this is awful but this is going to be a good thing and i have to believe that and there's like mixed emotions that come with it. And your lyrics, man, are I I love it. And and anytime I can steal something from a song, I'm gonna do it. Like the next time somebody asks me to help them move, I'm gonna be like, you know what? If it was any other day, I promise <laughs> that you know, but it's not, so I ain't gonna do it. But it's it, that is in all honesty, though, that lyric it, it's a genius, it's a genius fucking lyric. It's a smart thing to write because if it was any other day you would have thought about it too much and you probably would have given it another shot and it would have led to a horrible cycle like my my favorite movie of all time is eternal sunshine of the spotless mind well, oh, that's a film. great film oh, right great film. okay and that movie has a horrible ending it's not mm -hmm. a happy ending that these two got back together you just watched two hours of these guys persevering for the wrong reasons yeah mm -hmm. Right. And then after they discover everything that they've been through, they choose to be together again. And so, you know, they're in this never ending cycle until they die. This is what's going to keep happening. And I, that may be why I love this song so much is because 
you know, Moose was talking about, you know, painting uh, with auditory colors and things like that. When I love a song, it takes me on a journey. I think of things. I, I play a movie in my head and not just like a movie movie, but like I see things in my head. It transports me somewhere and I can't help but listen to the song and think about my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. And and it's a journey, isn't it? And it's like, and, and what we were talking about earlier with an album, it's in the context, you know, like you've you've worked through all the emotions in the relationship, whatever it is, and then you get to the white lies, and it's like talking about like your songs and albums, like Melody, right? And then Melody's yeah. being next is like, that's the start of like the final chapter of this album where you're kind of like, well, I'm waking up and it's like, it's time to move on from this and it's like bittersweet, but you know, it's like, it's all okay. It's like fine, it's cool. It's like, because that thing happens after uh, uh, something ends or there's a finale is like you pick yourself back up but that's not all good you start to see the good parts of it but you know you've got to deal with some of like the real of your own issues and then what comes next we don't know but it's a new chapter of your life and I think both records for me have had that thing of like working through something and then being like this is where I'm at now and same with this record's the same and then who knows what the next one will be and I think it's it's funny because you pick things and you can try to get the order, but inevitably you do have to go. A little bit of you's going, but you what's the narrative here? Does this work narrative wise? And especially in that last half, I think in the first half you can be a bit more free and like these are songs get into the vibe, and then because I think of things as vinyls, right? So I'm like side two, yeah. you've got to lock in that narrative and take people out of this. Like, oh, I love it. Yeah, and it's a really, really. There's a lot goes into making a record, you know. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, and I've been really lucky that um, I, I got to pick and the tracks and the track listing for both the records. Um, and I think that's been been a labor of love, but like one that lets people into the journey that I was going through. I feel like it's a, it's a lost or forgotten or even not known about, or people just don't even realize the amount of attention given to track listing and let the order in which mm -hmm. these songs come out on the album, which is why I always yeah. tell people, listen to the album front to back. Like just listen to it all the way through. Don't, don't just hit shuffle because you're not going to, you're not going to experience it the same way. Mm -hmm. If you listen to it, track one, two, three, four, et cetera. Like listen to it, yeah. you know, and, straight and down the list. Tough. Yeah. That's tough it, because it, artists put a lot but, of attention into it. Yeah. And it's tough because you have to go, this works for vinyl, start, finish, start, finish two sides. Mm -hmm. But that's got to make sense in CD. That's got to make sense in a row, 10 in a row, without that nuance of this is a new start. There's no new start to a CD. It's just straight through. Um, so, like, a lot of thought goes into it when you make track listens. And maybe, maybe not for everyone, but, like, for me, it has. It's been a real thing of, like, this is a piece of art. Like, to me, albums are a piece of art. And to make one album is hard. To make two albums is even harder. To do it twice and... Um, that's why a lot of people who quote people who have had lots of albums or like lots of good songs, it's like, yeah, but have they had consistently great albums? Because that's a different thing. And there's very few people who have had consistent. Kendrick Lamar for me is one of the people who has talking about that, especially yeah. from Damn Onwards has been like, oh, Damn, Damn's my favorite album. I look yeah. second. Second would be Good Kid, Mad City. I, yeah. Everybody it's loves. Butterflies, man. Yeah. Everybody loves to Mipper Butterfly. That's their favorite album. I I loved I loved the album, but I don't know. Like, in in some ways, because it's all it's all um, it, it, it's it's all about who who's listening and when. And when an album hits you at the right time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And Good Kid, Mad City, and Damn, and even Section Eighty, 
all hit me at the exact right moment. I don't know if I wasn't ready for a new Kendrick Lamar album when, when To Pimp a Butterfly came out. Maybe I'll love it later down the road. Uh, you know, Big Steppers is good. Uh, but Damn, Damn's a different... It's a concept album, too. Yeah. I mean, it, it was... Do you know, do you know what it is for me for a Pimp, right? It's like... Like, Section Good Kid, Mad City. It's like finding, finding his voice. Yeah. To Pimp a Butterfly, he's found his voice. Damn onwards, he's putting into action. Right, so that's so uh, yeah. I look at the pimp as like the anchor of like greatness. Like that's the blueprint for what what's why those albums that follow are so genius. So yeah. it was like I was like, oh my goodness, he's onto something, and then he delivered. Before, <laughs> right. before obviously you could hear he's he's going to be something, but like that's so I think that's my love of the pimp butterfly. It's like wow, this is the anchor of like what. It's a, you you caught him like coming out of the cocoon he wasn't fully out yet he was still in there but he <laughs> yeah. had he hadn't he like fully like morphed into it and then and then yeah maybe you're right you know when he got to damn you know he makes a concept album similar to good kid mad city uh but god this the overarching like overarching story of damn is what i love like mm. the 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 story he tells in duckworth uh between him and top dog and how Top Dog's dad was, you know, like a, a criminal and shit. His dad was working at a KFC and he used to rob the KFC all the time. But his dad decided to like, you know, give this guy extra biscuits, basically. And that prevented <laughs> the two of them from uh, Top Dog would be serving life. Well, I did something and died in a gunfight. Right. Like and then the whole record rewinds where he gets killed by an old lady. Like, yeah, uh, I, I don't uh, know. Because, Damn, is a genius. You know, there's a there's two versions of them as well. There's a, a limited edition version of them, which is the other way around, which is how he intended it. So Duckworth is the first track. Oh, and it's and it's supposed to be in that order. So there's two versions of them you can get. One's one way, and one's the other way. I had no idea. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah you should look up. Right? We're gonna have to do a Kendrick Lamar deep dive. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, all for it, Matt. You want to come do our Kendrick Lamar deep dive with us? I, I'm here for that. <laughs> let's, I, let's do I'm it. So here for that. I'll see and if it, I can get my wife to let me record her. Uh, this, she's gonna kill me for saying this. She has what we have called. <laughs> I think Moosh has seen it. She is. Uh, she has uh, what we have dubbed the humble dance, and that is <laughs> she has her own dance anytime humble comes on. <laughs> Oh, oh, it's fantastic! Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's 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 good. It's fun. It's it's a fun dance. Uh, it's not the Humpty Hump, but you know, it's it's it needs time to grow. It's the Humpty Hump. <laughs> so, hey, uh, Matt, while we're talking about it, look, I I know we sort of set up like what songs are going to play in what order. I I am all good to freestyle with this, and after yeah. after we just listened to Little White Lies. Uh, I, I think it would be beneficial to move on to Melody, which is the new song off this album that I have been obsessed with, mainly due to your lyrics, which I'll talk about afterwards. you mind if we play Melody? Let's do it. Let's do All it. right, let's do it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think that is my new favorite song. Uh, is my, it, my is it more choir in the background? Uh, yeah, I, I hear a, more voices, but it's it's so subtle. Yeah, it's a lot of voices doing like ums and baps. And, yeah, I hadn't picked up on that before. I was so taken away by the lyrics, the melody, and the guitar playing. <laughs> this this <laughs> is actually my 
I was gonna say this is like my fourth time listening to this track. It's so like this is the first time I've listened on on with my studio headphones. I've been listening to uh, it through my AirPods while I'm working, and then yesterday I was I was listening to everything on my on my stereo. But it's always a different different experience, and I kind of do that on purpose when we have artists on. I want the first time I actually sit here and press the head earphones up against my temple to like be that, so I can discover something new. But what what I love about the song is what I've loved from the very beginning. Um, it's funny, Moosh and I have talked about this. So, uh, Moosh is the the melodic expert. He's the, despite what you see behind me, he's the guitar player and and pianist and and. Uh, but like, I, we both do vocals. I'm a drummer and a producer by by old trade. Um, and so, but I pay attention to lyrics like hardcore. And the lyric that gets me every time I listen to it is. When you're talking about, I think this song is is sort of in the same vein as Little White Lies, where you're talking about the finality of a goodbye, but you're saying even if it leaves a scar, that's just one more thing to love about you. Every time I hear that lyric, I'm like, I get chills. I love it. Like, this is the first track off this album that I actually know every word to. Oh. It's it's so good. I, I absolutely love it. Like the, I love the 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 melody of Little White Lies, and I love the lyrics of Melody. It's yeah. fucking great. I love it. It's a win. Yeah, do you know what? It was um, it was uh, the first time in my life where I'd had I didn't have my own kid, but I was in a relationship with someone who had a kid, and uh, I I just learned to put my ego to one side. And I guess it was a lot about like learning to when someone loves you unconditionally in that way. Like a kid just doesn't see, the kid doesn't see your like a child doesn't see your faults at that age. They're so young, they just see the best in you. And it's, it was like I've got a lot of responsibility. And I think that's the thing about like you know with everything we'd been through with them, and it was like you know even if it leaves a scar, like it's just another thing that just makes who you are. I, think, I guess I'm trying to think, like, listen, like, if you're, at some point in life, you're going to see our faults as adults. But like, it's who, it's what made us who we are. Like, like the, I guess it was the fear as well of like that. Because to like a really young child, that like, you're like Superman, you're like a hero all the time. Yeah. And and to the and, and when they go on away and, at night and you're sitting there going, man, how, how do I not mess this up? Because they think I'm, I'm a hero, but like we, we are so flawed. And they're so unaware of the flaws that they're going to get, and I think that's that's this song at that point in my life. Like, I think I needed that. I think that changed me as a person because I've been so focused on what's next, what in my life, and then I just realised that like, oh, that doesn't really matter. Yeah. And like, do you know what I mean? Like, and it was an awakening. It was just like that that moment that that relationship and that thing that didn't sadly work out. Like, uh, it changed my life, and I've never looked back since. And then. I think before that I was probably like not in a, not in a malicious way, but just in the normal amount of selfish selfish that we are as human beings, and and I think when you when someone like that enters your life, like you just don't there's no they don't care they don't care if you've sold one record two records they don't even understand that you said you make records or whatever you do like there's no ego to them there's just like are you someone that's like nice to be around or are you not? Jesus yes. Christ, you you cause in your lyrics and just talking to you so much introspection it's yeah. it's unreal but one thing i want to ask you so you, you brought up ego a few times uh the music video off your previous album uh yeah. one more night yeah. i have a i have a theory and i just want to see if i'm right 
Okay. So and this it's a very comedic video. I uh, really enjoyed uh Mr. Mr. All Lives Matter getting his feet pissed on by <laughs> by a puppet. I have this theory that this song, at least as you portrayed it in the music video, is about you the puppet's your ego, and the puppet had to fall in love with the person you're with which is why it ends up with another puppet that looks like the girl at the end in order for the two of you to work out am i right well yeah it's cool it's close so so that i guess the 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 puppet represented the the was supposed to represent the worst parts of my personality although it plays out in like quite a funny cheeky way public but urination like, yeah like the things you, <laughs> you want to do um but with that thing it's like and him being able to be who he wanted to be, he was able to be happy. And for me, I was caught between life and music and, and music, sadly, like close call video touches us a bit. Like music was like, um, for all the joy it's brought me, it's brought a lot of pain and it's been the cause of like, you don't get to choose music and have life, you know? Um, and a lot of things fell apart. And I think it was that thing of like, Sometimes, some, I, I guess. I guess in that video, it's like the reality is like that was that we were never going to work out, uh, and there was all these factors. But like in the perfect world, in the world where we're unbeholden to anything, it would have worked. But that's not life. That's make believe. Yeah, and that's why it's the puppets that end up happy, and and also like now that he's and also there's the deeper thing of like once you deal with your inner demons. Which, which went on to be this record in terms of actual, actually dealing with it. It leaves space to genuinely meet the right person or to be happy, which right. I don't think can, I don't think can ever happen when you haven't dealt with that inner turmoil because it's always going to come back and bite you and fight you in some way. In my, in my world, it was a puppet who pissed on people's shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. That was great. And I, I, I don't think we're going to find a better segue to get into your title track uh demons which uh, uh god let's just play it so title <laughs> track here we go demons mm-hmm i mm -hmm. love i love the chorus i love the yeah. chord progression i love the choir in the background i like the piano keyboard in the intro but then that was that's the only part you had piano it was i didn't hear piano throughout the rest of the song yeah it's funny because it's there it's like the piano is like the basis of the song but i guess everything just bleeds in with it and like yeah and i, I play piano for that live as well so it's weird for me to be on the keys and not playing the acoustic um, yeah yeah yeah. because i wrote it on piano but it's so funny listening to that song after talking about a uh, melody it's like i probably never really spoke about this but i guess like a lot of that song was like the reflection of that situation of leaving it and like when I say like I broke my heart twice that day I'm thinking about the day I left there that's my question that's my question yeah. was the was was the little boy the second heartbreak yeah, you had the, the little girl yeah yeah because because like it's so weird to leave a situation like that because you're leaving someone that you don't love anymore or you're falling out of love because you know it's the right thing to do and you know you both know it can't work then you're leaving behind this person who's nothing to do with it, and you're like, I'll, I'll always love that person, uh, but like it's for their best thing. So like, I literally broke my heart twice that day, and then um, 
But whenever I go into situations of any magnitude in life, I think, like I went through some stuff early on in life and I've been quite open to this, like I lost, I lost my dad when I was younger and he actually, he actually died. He dropped, he was like 43 and just dropped dead in front of me when I was wee. And um Jeez Louise. So like, I always think about that moment and I think, and that's why I say like, what's with all the commotion? Like you're, like, you're, like you've been through stuff. Like, why is this so hard? Because you've been through like probably one of the worst situations you could live through in life. But we're human, like it doesn't matter, like it doesn't matter that you've been through something because every situation has its own magnitude. So it's that pep talk you give yourself, like, come on, like what, I was actually thinking, like, what, why are you making such a commotion of this? Because you've been through worse in some respects. But, you know, like one thing I've learned as I've gone on in life is like, like grief and loss aren't, um, aren't tied to death. Like you can grieve and loss someone that's living, like a, any, any situation you leave is a loss or it's a grief. And we have to grieve those situations, like, and um, as I've learned that, I've learned to accept every situation as it is and not inflate situations on top of each other. And I think it's kept me, it's kept me balanced and it's kept me like sane and healthy and let me work through things. But that's not to say I, I didn't, you know, like the demons were like, this was after all this happened. Like I left that situation and I, I hit rock bottom. I, hit, I went off the deep end and, and this album was finding my way back and, uh, yeah, that's why I've said a lot. Like this album's a lot like therapy, and I was working through everything that I'd lived through, um, and probably like all those past things mean that you don't like you don't always cope because it's not. Yeah, it isn't your first time it becomes weighted, but it's like you know. One thing I remember really learning is as we got into other songs and like spending another web for anyone that gets a chance to listen. You know, I guess like I learned somewhere I I know it was during this period because I can remember sitting at the piano when I was writing these songs thinking about like like I, I, I used to think that like grief or loss was something I had to get over whereas like I guess I reached that stage of realising that something that never leaves you you just learn to live with it and accept it accept and, yeah and um, I used to think one day I'd be over it and then and then I guess I realised I didn't ever want to be over it because I didn't ever want to give up because I would be giving up all the good things that came prior to that. Well, so yeah, it's been it's been an emotional journey, and that's the weird thing about an album. It's like it's so emotionally exhausting when you write it, and then it's so emotionally exhausting when you record it, and then you have that third emotional exhaustion, emotional exhaustion of like having to release it to the world, and then you've got that thing of having to play it live and getting the response, and then the response to the record. So like it takes its toll, and I think that's why touring takes its toll because. For me anyway, like I'm going out and I'm not singing songs that mean nothing. I'm singing songs that are like some of the hardest parts of my life every night. And uh, sometimes you just think I, that's that's too much. And uh, probably why I don't do as many shows now because I'd rather go out and give everything uh, a few times a year than, than nothing a lot of times a year. You know? well, yeah, even I, with how, how like, I, I guess dark is the right word. I'm hesitant to use the word dark, but for this song, it's the history and the lyrics and the and the the emotional exhaustion that you're going through just in this particular song this uh demons the track even when you listen to it like as as an outsider listening in you're like wow this is a you know this is a, a painful song you can hear you know going through the struggles but at the end you kind of feel like there's still a, a ounce of hope at the end like it yeah. kind of it resolves in a way like on that major chord you're just like there's still gonna you're gonna be all right 
it's going to be yeah. okay. You're going to, you're going to find your way through it. And like you mentioned earlier, you know, every flaw that you've had, everything that you've done, it just kind of makes you who you are and makes you a better person yeah. in a way. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, I, I just want to say like, first off, uh, thank you for, <laughs> for sharing this because uh, yeah, it's when, when you're, I think we'll, I think a word that we have touched on a lot, whether we're talking about how Ticketmaster works or how you work with your band or how you work with your producer, going back to the beginning of this entire conversation, trust is is the word. And I, I think that uh, it's, you know, everything hits everybody differently. Like I, I that was going to be my question for you is why was your heart broken twice that day? What's I know the first one. What's the second one? And to link these two songs together in the way we did uh it's it's amazing and i i just i I gotta say like uh you know we've been doing this show since september and we this is what we really want to do like we we love our bullshit episodes that we do all the time where moosh and i ask ourselves a question and then we put a playlist together we banter uh and and go back to you know relive our improv comedy days and stuff but this is what we really want to do is bring artists on like that. And, uh, you know, while, you know, your music isn't totally popular in America, which we would love to help you with. I hope, I hope all of our listeners listen to all of your stuff when we're done. I actually texted my cousin and said, Hey, we're doing an interview with this guy. Go listen to him. And he actually wrote me back a few minutes ago and, and uh, said, Holy shit. This guy's, these guys are the real fucking deal. I love this. So just to be able to share that is great, but I'm not going to lie. It's a, it's, it's nerve wracking in a, in a way, even when we had the slow cooked bears on to go from slow cooked bears to brown bears, uh, (laughs) is a little weird, but, uh, over here at the cut music, (laughs) it's not, it's not, it's not even about how popular you are. I am, I am in a sense, starstruck to have the opportunity to have somebody on here that is this introspective in person as they are in their lyrics and to always leave me guessing for what it is you're exactly singing about and i think that is a lost art when it comes to lyrics you can sing about one thing but it can be interpreted a million different ways in meaningful ways to everybody that listens to it i think that's the thing about this record is like I really wanted to be real. I think I think with the last record, I I went in and I was trying to be as honest as I could, but I didn't know how to articulate. Really, yeah. it's all learning, and then we're always learning. And I think from that, I used to do this thing of like, what well, what a song means to whatever the song means to you. But it's because I wasn't able to really articulate what I was. And this time I went in and I was really reflective and really honest. And it's easier to talk about. And it's quite nice we have a space where we're talking so much about the lyrics that. I can say, you know, I was actually thinking this and this is why. And you're like, oh, wow, that links that together. So I've never really spoken about that really for any of these songs before. But for some people, they, they'll be like, wow, that's an extra depth that I love, but it still doesn't take away what it means to them. And But that's something I really focus on, especially when I'm writing for other people or if I'm, if I'm ever teaching writing, which I do a little bit now. I'm always like, you know, your choruses have to be universal. It has to be, everyone just has to get it. And then yeah. be specific in your verse, but still in a way that people get get what you mean but can take something from it and there'll be people there'll be people that their heart broke twice in a day for another reason that still relates to them or um you know any of these lyrics like it, it just it just has to be like it's from a real place and I, had, I have a real connection specifically to it but it's still universally like we all go through these things and then 
we all have those fears and those worries about life and, and all these ups and downs. And I think I just wanted to connect with people and that's what songs did for me. Like when I, I know when I was growing up and there's even there's even certain songs I've heard where I wouldn't say they're songs I love or I even think are like my kind of song, but I've heard a lyric and I've just gone like, wow. And I can listen to that song loads and I'll say to people listen to the song and you can hear them go, oh. And then I'm thinking, yeah, but listen to the lyrics because like that, there's a lyric in this that's like, that's your life, man. Like, yeah, and um, that's that's the skill of writing. It's like, and that's what gets lost is like the whole point in songs and writing is supposed to be like. I suppose like our job is to articulate what other people can't about life, and it's like how we share stories and community and growth and learning, and um, and without that, I just don't get what music is. I, that's, I, but that's the way I look at it. Anyway. I I totally agree. I but I think part of it is you know, you have a full canvas to paint, but you leave enough unpainted for that person yeah. to then grab those lyrics and apply it to themselves. And that's, that's the magical connection. And well, I, I, the talent was not lost on you, sir. Yeah, I, I will cheers. tell you that your lyrics well, are amazing. I, another thing that really happened though, before this was like, I, I doing a bit of work in film because of the music videos and I got to do a short film. Nice. And I, was, I was around some really great writers and directors and like, hearing how they thought about stories, I took back into this record where I was like, it was, I was thinking a lot about connection and ties and this really great thing they have in film, they always, the great films are always like show, don't tell. Like you don't have to, you don't have to explain it to someone, show it to them. Treat your audience and, and, smart. Yeah. And, and it's the same, it's treat, treat your audience with respect. Like don't, don't treat them as mugs. Don't, don't try and, and never try and fool your audience. And because to me, someone said this to me, like, if you try and fool your audience, you're only making a fool of yourself. And I think it's so true. Like, and I see it in films, and I see it in music all the time when, when you're trying to outsmart people, like people see right through it. They might not know it, but when they get offered on a plate, something that is real, that's when they'll see it. And I think that's the convenience now is like, there's a lot of fake things out there and it suits everyone. But when something real comes along, you go, you know, what? I don't believe that act anymore because I've seen the real yes. thing and I felt something from that. And I actually realized I hadn't felt that in a long time. Oh, that, and that's the nostalgia thing that took me back to then but it's just like the last time you felt like that because it's the last time you were given the choice to listen or watch something listen to or watch something that could relate to you because now it's all very much like the fastest product out now because we've got to stream and everyone has to have something new in this minute and it takes away the space of like like people have asked me a lot what's next and like, I don't know like I think for me there's every chance it'll be another five years for a record because I want to go and live my life and figure out what's happening in my life and then write about it. And it'll be, but when yeah. it comes, it'll be real and it'll mean something and it'll be worth that two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, whatever it is, or never again, because I never have something to say. And that's also okay. You know, like <laughs> I think that's the beauty of art and music. It's like, I, I hope has, the latter is not the case. I wholeheartedly yeah. <laughs> hope that's not it. And in all, in all honesty, uh, I, 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 I just, uh, you know, I don't know you, right? But in all honesty, from from what I I have learned through your music and talking to you here today, I don't think it's possible. I think this is I don't believe in people being meant to do things. I don't believe in predestination or anything like that, but I do believe that sometimes certain things are in your DNA and it's something that you have to do. You don't have a choice. I have to do 
uh, you know, all of us have to do something musically at some point, the three of us. I know that for a fact. I know we feel broken if we don't. And who knows? Maybe you need to go a year without doing anything musically and then figure out that that's a broken piece that's missing in your life. And then there's your journey back. There you go. There's your next album. Uh, uh, you know, more, uh, you know, uh, Absence from music. <laughs> no, uh, uh, not enough for people to love I'm telling you that no, no, that yeah. is a fucking that is a quote right there. It's a that's an amazing thing that you said off the top of your head. Um, but yeah, I, I, as Moose said, I hope the latter's the latter is not true, but I honestly don't think it could be. Uh, yeah. you have, I understand that art is, it, it's a cup that you got to fill with experience. You can't just create art all the time, right? You got to live, you got to go through these things, especially with how personal that, that you get, uh, when, when you're, when you're composing music and writing and, and all of that. And, uh, Hey, whether it's uh two years or eight years or 10 years, hopefully we'll still be here and we would love to have you back on and talk about what you're it. doing next. Listen, I'm, I'm coming on for the Kendrick special. Anyway, oh, so. No, I'm not. I, and just so we're clear, I'm not kidding. Come on for the Kendrick special. Like I'm, 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 I'm here for it. Honestly. Let, fuck. Yes, dude. Let's do it. Let's do a Kendrick Lamar deep. We're going to have to bump our incubus deep dive. Mission. I'm sorry oh, man. for to do, to so. do Kendrick. Uh, but uh, no, fuck. Yeah, dude, let's do a Kendrick Lamar deep yeah. dive. We'll get, uh, We'll get the four of us on. Uh, so our recurring co-host, Brad, uh, him and I are the yeah. hip hop guys. Right, um, okay. So we can get you on and we'll, we'll we'll do a cut. We'll each pick like three songs and then one song we all agree on. And we'll educate Moosh and, uh, and the rest of our listeners. If you'll leave Kendrick Daft, I'm here for it. Oh, fuck that, yeah. That's, a, that's another thing I was going to say for you, like what you were talking yeah. about and like the listeners is like the importance of the, the connection of music for me that's happened lately is like people are getting so into music that they're texting someone and saying you should listen to this and like it really does matter like when you hear something because we were talking about this earlier and I was thinking like how did I hear music I like and I was, for the first time in my life I was glad that Twitter threw something up uninvited into your feed because you found me but I, yeah. I go in terms of listening now I guess maybe because of my time and schedule a bit on recommendations of people I trust and Sometimes I see things enough I'd listen and, and I do it the same when I go to films or a theatre or whatever it was I'm going to see. And I think it's so important when if you're into something to just text someone you think might be into it and say, I heard this band, I think you'd like it. Because if someone did that, I would always listen to it. Where if someone tweets something, I, I see so many tweets, and I'm like, I just I, I might take my fancy that I might look, but I might not, or I might be busy. But someone messaged me, I know I'm going to look at it, especially if I, I trust them and say, cool, I'll listen to it. And we've had a lot of people come to shows lately that have been like, Someone text me your song, yeah. Like someone sent me on WhatsApp. We've got a WhatsApp group about music. Someone put you in, and we all listened to it. And um, I think that's how coming back to you, like having faith. I think that is the thing. Like I think that's how music stays alive. Is that in the absence of an industry serving its customers, like the fans of music will find a way to share it with each other because it's what we've always yep. done, and we don't need them. It's like doing our making our own wee microcosms of culture again and subcultures. And I think. So if, if you if you heard the stuff today and you did love it, I think just text it to someone else that might love it. it. It honestly makes a huge difference for us as an artist to keep connecting yeah. with people. And, and I know, like one of the things that I love is when I'm looking at stats for for our show. Uh, I remember the first time I looked at it and I saw that we were in like 40 different countries, like not mm -hmm. high numbers in different countries in all the countries, but like, yeah. hey, we made it to Indonesia somehow. Uh, yeah. We don't have an Indonesian overdub. I don't know what they're listening to, but <laughs> fucking great, right? Uh, you know, I, I can only assume that 
an artist would feel the same way when you look at that like map of your your demographics and and geographics of where everything is so uh you know you got some you got some listeners on the west coast man and we do anything we can to, to help you with that but when it comes to discovering new music uh what i've learned doing this show um is first off if anybody ever gives me something new and tells me to listen to Musha's already laughing if anybody gives me anything <laughs> new and tells me to listen to it i'm going to uh and this, some, this is honestly something i've gotten a lot better at yeah, i nice. used to hate it immediately like i one of my favorite bands is the smashing pumpkins i love the smashing pumpkins hated them the first time somebody showed me smashing pumpkins and then two years later i started listening to them and i fell in love with them and i went back to that same person and said have you heard of this band and that has been a running joke between me and Moose. He shows me something. I tell him I hate it. I wait a year. And then I go back. I'm like, bro, have you heard of this band? <laughs> We've uh, done it on um, the podcast. We've done it on the I've show done it a few times on like, the podcast. I initially show you something like years ago. It's been, you know, five, six, seven years. <laughs> and then on the show, I bring it up. It's like, oh, yeah, Mike, I, I showed you this song, you know, eight years ago. And you're like, oh, yeah, I hate this band. And then I play you the track. And you're like. God damn it, Moosh, I hate you. That was a damn good track. I'm like, I know it's a good track, and I knew you would like it. In all honesty, half of the time, it's not on purpose. Uh, it actually it actually does. I'll go back and tell Moosh, hey, listen to this, and it's something he told me about like two years ago. Um, but what I have learned is when it comes to searching for new music, like I said, because of technology, the 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 good side of the sword is sharp in the sense that it's easy to sort of get a voice out there. But the other side is, is now everybody has a voice out there. And in all honesty, some people should get into directing or something like that. Right. <laughs> but what I was getting at is you got to take your time. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be patient. You got to take your time. I promise, Matt, I'm actually good with segues. Uh, here we go. Take your time. Oh man, Will Ferrell in there on the cowbell? <laughs> exactly. And, that costs uh, a lot of money. <laughs> well, I think the other guy costs you even more. Uh, Moosh, who who do you have on drums? So I want to preface this before <laughs> I make this comment and say a few things. Is I understand that you're not the biggest Beatles fan, which is fine. No. Totally okay. Um, the first, sort of. well, it's fine. It's fine. I, I don't, <laughs> that doesn't bother me at all. Um, when the drums came in. After the nice acoustic intro, the drums came in. I was like, "Is this Ringo Starr on the drums?" Because I just—it sounded like he had like the, the, the you know swish. the hi hat sweep, the and then like the like on the snare. Like I'm not a drummer, so I don't know anything about drums or how they operate. But it gave me Ringo Starr vibes. I guess like I think the whole thing with this is like that Motown power beat in it. Right, mm. so it's like, and and so much of the Beatles' music is taken from. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there it is. From, from, from back, and so so like you're hearing like the flip side. It's like decolonizing music, really. <laughs> so because yeah. what's happening. <laughs> but nah, to, to be fair, the the drummer who drummed for that Jamie is was like so our drummer Sam got COVID and Jamie McGrory stepped in who was wanting to was a thing on the whole indie soul thing where like we're going to recreate the Motown beat, but he's Beatles daft, honestly. So he probably was adding in like hints of the Beatles just to, to piss me off. I don't even hate the Beatles. Like I just, um, I, I don't, and I really love a lot of their music. No, just, it, uh, they're very derivative. I mean, I'll give you that. They're, yeah. I mean, their first album was like majority covers. Like they did a ton of covers. And when they yeah, first yeah. started, they only knew like three chords. 
Yeah, they um, were right into scaffold bands and all that. Yeah, thing. and like I'm not, I, I, I'm not the biggest Beatles fan for their big like hits, like their boppy yeah. like early sixties hits. It's their mm-hmm. fucking like Strawberry Fields and weird shit that they something, got into. Yeah. Something, something yeah, all like is, weird yeah. in in my life those are my two favorite beatles songs and and yeah. honestly the vibe i got from that matt was uh al green between your yeah. voice and the highs that you were hitting and then those backup singers i yeah, was yeah. Uh, I, hey man let's stay together i'm mm. <laughs> i was i was yeah. all for it i loved it's, it it's so it's so fun doing with the singers and like just like having that whole arrangement and the and the horns and again and it, it's such a it's such a a nod a nod of the hat to Motown even down to like that middle eight, um instinctively horns should play higher parts but there's a a kind of lesser known Frankie Valley album that happened on Motown and there's a song called The Night which became a huge song in like the Northern Soul scene which was essentially like all the Motown B sides came over on ships to Britain and somehow in like the seaside towns like soul, soul music had this like revolution of the northern soul it was called but it was all like non-famous motown and soul songs and and the night was one of them frankie valley and it's very it's all driven load and then i was saying like that's what the horn should be it should be down there so um that this in unity were the two tracks i was really left to like kind of have a lot of say in the production and the arrangement and, and particularly with this song it was like I actually think Ross the producer may have been off with COVID as well for this session so it was me oh, Jimmy geez. the drummer and the engineer and uh, Mikey on the horns and um, yeah it was just a blast doing it and this song's just like a lot of us like kind of it's this thing I was trying to find this genre of like indie soul but it's really poppy and it's like fun and it's upbeat and um, yeah I just love it it's got a beautiful texture to it and it's got all the hooks and it's a lot of fun to create music. You've got the strings as well. Like I had all those elements that make a, a Motown or a soul song. Yeah, absolutely. What they were. And yeah, I, I think that's what's great out of everything that I heard. Like I think Close Call, uh, the first track we played, is a, is a good example. The first single off the album where it's like that melody is super poppy, but the the words you just used uh, textured. Yeah. The the cool thing is, is I I've I've li- I've seriously listened no less than five times to every song on this album. Uh, a few more like melody and and little white lies and demons maybe a few more times but um it's incredible that like i've i've heard take your time four to six times i've never heard the cowbell never notice yeah. it and so like you have these these you know you said textures into it where i think it's great uh and that's that's you know another another sickness that's that's within the music industry that that uh you haven't you're not down with it oh uh, uh, um <laughs> you know you're, you're you're not down with it like you, you know you'll make a pop song but there's so much more into it that goes into not just the writing and everything but the production and that makes it even more catchy but most importantly it makes it more important and for people that are actually able to appreciate music and if you are a musician and you can understand things on a certain level, like I, I'm not going to hear a seventh chord like Moose did earlier. I'm not going to hear that. I'm just going to hear what I think sounds cool. But it's like you leave these little Easter eggs in your songs for like, hey, if you are a musician, you do play guitar or you do write lyrics or whatever. There's even more in store for you. There's more for you to enjoy than just being a music listener. And okay. that's what I've loved about this entire album. And I, I'll say like, uh, spin another web fantastic song that's a uh, you know we didn't play it today 
Uh, I encourage everybody to go check that out. But overall, uh, it, it's an understatement to say that this is just a solid album. Like it is. each it of really these songs is. could have been singles. They they are amazing. And and uh, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the amount of plays that you have here, and honestly, it's fucking criminal. And whatever we can do to help with that, to spread the word, uh, I think your music has a message and a sound uh, that, once again, gives people something to love. And it's funny, I used to get, <laughs> I used to get um, so caught up on plays and like Spotify, but I think one thing I've taken from everything was like, one, like our videos get a lot of engagement and, and that's another way to have like stories and Easter eggs and but to, to the, the, the kind of main thing from this record is like sometimes like, oh God, it's getting shared a lot, a lot of plays, but there's so many more people posting pictures of physical copies of it and that they're listening awesome. to it than- Oh, that's than even better. Like links, which is like, in a way, like I know that doesn't read on maybe like social media, but then in, in real life, you're like, well, that's people in their physical house that have that and a lot of people in the world do. And um, obviously in Scotland, we ended up charting in the top 10 and that's all down to physical copies because um, they they sell at such a high value in charts compared to streams. And, Congratulations. Um, yeah, that's you so awesome. Much. And we're, we're functioning well above what we should because we, I mean, I, again, like people maybe listen to this or listen to that record might go, wow, this is a band of a certain level. Like I don't have a manager. I don't have a label. I don't have a publisher. I don't have an agent. I do it all myself. Um, I, I, you know, this album was only able to be made because we got a little bit of funding from a, an arts funding body in Scotland. And um, like it's been done other than that, like I paid for the master myself, like, like saved up as much as I could. So um, this has been done totally DIY and to be able to be chatting about it in America or being played in, like main, we were like playlisted in Australia and we're, we're punching well above our rate and it's kind of like, well, do you know what? Like again, it just comes back to me. Like that's the songs doing the talking, and it's proof that I hope it's proof, and 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 maybe some people in the business see it and go, if that's what he can do with nothing, think what could happen if we invested in songs. I'm not saying me, oh, but God. like yeah. songs, you know. Right. Yes, yeah. that's, that's my hope for it. Yeah. So well, I want to. I got go a question. Ahead, yeah. Um, with all the, the the production that we've talked about, all the textures that you have throughout all these tracks that we've listened to today. I'm curious, and I know that Mike and I aren't going to be able to see you live anytime soon, unless you hold that States, thought. But yeah, um, go ahead. Unless we go to unless we go to Scotland sometime soon. Yeah. More on that in a minute. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what are your live performances like? How many people do you have up on stage that are you know contributing to like uh, your tracks that when you're when your your set list, or are you stripping it down quite a bit? Like, what's that? What's your live performance? makeup like yeah so, so we have me uh an acoustic uh, we have a guitar player andy a bassist sean sam on the drums and two backing vocalists and a keys player just back so what we do is um no no tracks either so everything's live okay and it's nice. just still a big wall of sound and and uh people were saying that at the album show they were like how have you done that um and we had a real debate about i mean there's tracks at unity we didn't do live because we need to figure out how we'd recreate that and it might be a bigger budget thing and having more musicians I'd love to have right, yeah, hiring there, but... an entire choir to come in and sing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but what, so what happens like, as an example, um, close call, we have like, uh, Sabrina as our main backing singer. She's kind of like the, in charge of the vocals. So we have a really weird thing as well, which a couple of people spotted from the show that our singers are all up the front. It's not the guitar players and that the guitar players are where the backing singers would be. So when close calls an example, um, 
myself and the two backing singers, we, we sing all of the parts together. So we'll sing the do 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 together, and we sing the choruses together. And then it's been a long time coming. It's make or break. And then Jenny, the keys player, and Sean, the bass player, they sing the horn parts. And then they take your time, like the singers sing the horn parts, and then the the bass player and Jenny they sing the string wow. parts. So our backing vocalists, we make up all of the horn parts and the string parts through backing vocals, and it adds such a lovely texture. And, wow! Um, Holy shit! We arrange things live, so and so we basically have units. It's like this is unit one, and this is how you sing, and this is unit two, blah blah blah, and we do that, and it feels like you're a part of it, and it's also really. But what was crazy for us is like we came out on that stage thinking, there we go, it'll be good. Folk were, we were, we have an ears or like ear our earplugs, and we were all going, we can't hear anything because people were screaming the words back. <laughs> we, we, we thought people wouldn't know the songs we thought oh, that was oh, that we've missed I love that I love that, that was so crazy. much <laughs> no, that there's, it's on YouTube somewhere there's like a, someone kind of like but like the whole performance and uh, it's class man and I was watching it back just going like, wow like I can't believe Boker are singing this back and it's just and obviously like there might come a time where we put a little bit of track in or there might come a time where because um, most people do it I really want to avoid it or if we, if we had the budget we would have horn players as well you know and do the whole thing because there's something about that wow like you've recreated this live like there's no samples I don't know how we do it at uni that, that's the one question mark and I think people could be forgiven for that because it's such a big production but everything else we can do live and it's like its own arrangement and then that's part of the thrill like that's part of the the enjoyment of like I, you know it's funny I, I went and I went to see Paramore on, on Monday in Glasgow nice. it was like a pure nost- oh. nost- nostalgia gig man it was amazing and what, what really struck me is like they used little to no track and it right. was quite jarring at first but then at the end I was like this is amazing because I didn't because every band you hear now even metal bands like it's, you can just hear it there's so much track I'm like I know you're playing a track like I can actually hear yeah. I can I can visually see that there's not enough people to play what you're playing and I think yeah. there's something about when we do it that way people go that was all really live and then they get behind it and they're singing and they want to do it with you and they pick up a bit of the slack that might be missed from technically not having like the strings or whatever it is I think um, so yeah so to answer that like that's how we do it we, we base a lot of it on like again arrangement and live and what we did was spin another web was so funny like we were really going to do it with the band coming in and like the record and then on the day we were like I don't know like it just felt like it's quite a big sound in the record and we weren't quite getting it and it it didn't have the emotional weight and it might have with the crowd and we actually made the choice to do that song just me and backing singers and it was just so lovely it was like a lovely wee moment and of really it was really bare and really scary and vulnerable but like the crowd felt that vulnerability and they carried us through it and that's another thing you get to do live is you get to pick your moments and go how how sonically or how of what song can we basically say to the crowd thank you and we were like let's do it spinning on the web let's just be really vulnerable and share something emotional with them and uh, if, again I thought they might just be quiet and listen they, they sang like every word back and I was just blown away and um, yeah That's forever awesome. grateful there, there yeah. cannot be any better feeling than that no, it's crazy I mean, yeah and so few people uh, I mean Moose and I have been doing music since we were kids and like I've only drummed in you know cover bands and I, I've done production for other stuff but like that's something that you can literally spend your life in music for and never get a chance to experience yeah and that's that's amazing i i I can't even imagine what that's like yeah it was uh it was crazy it's not that we haven't had it before with the first record but we never had it like this and 
that album had only been out for a week. So it'd been a week to learn all those Jesus. lyrics and well, um, that's that's what's easy about your your tracks is like I can damn near mouth my way through all of this yeah. through every single song because they're it's not even it's not even a testament to them just being you know catchy when they when when you meant them to be but they're just the lyrics are memorable the melodies are memorable yeah. like right now I I I still have the you know exactly like I still have that in my head right now mm-hmm. as we're talking I love that track. Um, but hey, we've we've reached the end of our show, and oh, Matt, wow, thank, wow, I, thank you, thank no, thank yeah. you, man. All like to you, man. This has been great. This has been so crazy, and the quick turnaround in which we were able to pull this off. And you're on tour right now, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, this is thank be you. Sunday off. <laughs> it's been it's been what what better way to spend it. <laughs> no, definitely, and and hopefully. Uh, oh, I said I'd get to this in a minute. Um, I am planning a trip out to Europe with my cousin next year. And uh, we were going to hit like uh, Britain and uh, Germany and I think like uh, France or Spain. Then my wife did our our, uh, ancestry DNA, whatever. And I came back 45% Scottish. And (laughs) I know, fucking great. That's the best (laughs) Scottish accent I can do. Wow. Oh mo- no 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 no! Moosh is Moosh is actually no, a pro. No. <laughs> uh, but uh, I made I made I don't want to call it a mistake, but possibly of uh, telling Ricky of uh, Ricky says uh, about it. I messaged him on Facebook or on Twitter, and I'm like, "Yo, man, I just got my ancestry back. I'm 45 percent Scottish, and uh, now uh, we need to go to Scotland while we're on yeah. this trip." So, yeah. um, and speaking of of playlists and stuff like that, I don't know if you've been on Unheard Indie um with with our boy rich uh, who was the second guest we had on the show he has an amazing following of indie artists uh, uh, of people that love indie music and in case you haven't been on there i'm gonna send him over to you um or no you over to him i'm gonna send you him your music um and uh i'm glad you're on here because your accent is nowhere near as thick as ricky's and we have ricky on next week so yeah, he's somebody he's 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 a i think i think oh, i don't get this wrong i'm sure he's from fife originally but he lives in ayrshire now where i grew up oh really and, uh, uh, yeah he's a good guy i like Ricky a lot man oh he's fucking he's great we've yeah, already done the funny. meet and greet with him he's he's so oh, he's so awesome we message each other all the time has, and has I, anyone told you to say right so like i'm gonna give you the perfect scottish accent so say space ghetto space ghetto Space ghetto, space ghetto. So, so, like, if, if for us, if we say space ghetto in an American accent, it's a, it's a, like it sounds like we're saying space ghetto, like Spice Girl. Uh, yeah, uh, but and so it sounds like you're saying space ghetto in a Scottish accent. But you're saying space ghetto. So yeah, space, right back space at ghetto. you. Wow. Uh, can you say the word burglar? Burglar. Burglar. A burglary. burglary. There's been a burglary. There's been a burglary. Burglary. <laughs> <laughs> that's hard. Go 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 hard. ahead, Moosh. Get, give a little. What does Ricky sound like, Moosh? I can't do Ricky's accent. It's it's <laughs> really. I was blown away by how thick his accent was. Not thick. Um, thick. Thick. <laughs> um. No, so from time to time, I I can do a bit of a, a Scottish kind of a hint in the accent where. Ah, fuck it. That sounds Irish, man. 
I he's know, on the he's I, on I the know. spot. I, That's I, his I problem. You're on the spot. Yeah. Don't don't pronounce things too well. Here, if you're you maybe in in the West, you say you wouldn't say here. You'd say here. Here. Yeah. Here. Here. Like he. Here. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Scottish is still one that I'm. I'm. I'm still learning. I've. I've seen a lot of people who are like language experts, and they do. All, they break down how you do accents, and then yeah. they get to like Glaswegian, and they go, "I have no idea." We can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's a lot of times when you you flip your R's and roll your R's, and then there's the like the slang that you would use. Um that I just, I can't figure out yet. Uh, like, I, I don't even know an example, but there's like ways you would, um, it, not you specifically, but in Scottish, like in Scottish slang, there's a lot of like, uh, like you, instead of like, you would say we or we in for like a little, a, a, like a, 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 a yeah, small. we like small, like a small child is a we in or like a, a smaller, we in. No, a win. A win. See, even then I'm still, <laughs> the closest I got is to Scottish is for all of my, I've got three children. And when they were wings, like when they were small babies, right? <laughs> yeah. I would sing to them, uh, Lok Loman. Like I would just sing Lok Loman as I was rocking them in like a low baritone. And I would just, that was my like lullaby to like hush them and put them to sleep. Now he just yells at them and tells them when they go to bed. Yeah. In Scottish. Very Scottish. In Scottish. Fuck. It's hilarious. Go, go to your fucking bed, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and, I mean, I think we, honestly, we are so lucky because, like, we have, we are yet to interview an artist from America. Uh, wow. We, yeah, it's crazy. Like, um, every, all the, all the play that we have, the next artist that we have lined up, uh, the next one is, is from, is from Britain. The slow cooked bears are from Britain. Um, and with you being from Scotland, then we're having Ricky on. We're recording Ricky's episode next week. Uh, we'll we'll figure out when it's going to come on. It'll come out after yours. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's been so cool. And then to have this trip planned, which is like ninety percent confirmed. Um, when it will be next year? Uh, we want to avoid spring break. We don't want to be in Britain and everywhere else. So I think as it is right now, it's going to be it's going to be Britain. And we're gonna go hang out with Rich from Unheard Indie and and uh, Gig Bounce uh, is the term that he uses. He's like he's like, all right, mates, I'm gonna take you to seven gigs in four fucking hours. It's gonna be fantastic. And I'm like, wow, yes. So we we want to see hang out with him and the Slow Cook Bears, and then uh, go up to Ayrshire. Yes, so, yes, and, and hang out with uh, Ricky and dude. Let's. I mean, it's shit. If you're performing somewhere, yeah, I will travel well, across. The country of scotland to find you or we can just go get a beer yeah we'll, we'll hang out but let's hope that when you come over it's when we're performing next oh year, god so. yeah dude that, we'll that to, we need amazing. to plan these things together because the plan for us if we can make it happen next year it's 10 10 years of brown bear so um we're talking about doing a massive glasgow show and, and battlelands is like the iconic venue like in the world like anyone that comes here always leaves going that's the greatest music and i, and I say this not like Trying not to be biased because I've been fortunate enough between my own tours and tour managing and working on tours to have seen most of the venues in in Europe and uh, Barrowlands is definitely the greatest venue in the world. There's something. When, there's something. When is that? We don't know. It's not set a date. We're actually trying to convince people that we should be allowed to do it because essentially what happened was like nobody believed we'd sell this last show and we sold it out. And then we went to the same kind of people and said, "Let's do Barrows." It's and then the public are really behind it. They were kind of like, "Yeah, we still don't know if you can do it." So we're really fighting to be like, it makes sense. 
and now we're on a campaign trail to get enough people to get behind us to be like see we can do it so um let's hope it happens but it'll be sometime next year I hope it happens, but I I will go see you perform on a fucking street corner. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Right right outside of the bar that we're going to be drinking at. My Um, wife has a cousin that lives in Scotland. I'm not sure where. Cool. Give me give me his his or her information. I need a place to crash. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So say I got to reach out. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. No, hey, let's do it. And and honestly, that uh, that Kendrick Lamar deep dive. Let's. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Let's do it, man. All right, yeah. awesome. Uh, Matt, yeah. thank you again so much. This has been such a pleasure to have you on, and we're so excited to to be, even in the most minuscule way, a part of your journey. You have an open invitation. Anything that you got, you come back, like I said, a year from now or eight years from now, and you're like, hey, I got my new album coming out. We're, we are here for you, whatever yes, you need. We are it. so about it. Uh, so thank you. And uh, where can everybody find you on uh, socials and all that? Yeah, uh, Instagram's Brown Bear underscore official. Um, Twitter is at Brown Bear Band. Um, and then Facebook's Brown Bear official, but I guess people use that less. But yeah, tw- Twitter and Instagram is where I'm most active. And, uh, Us too. Obviously, yeah. And, uh, and, sp- and obviously on Spotify and streaming services, it's Brown Bear, all is one word. And just put in the album name Demons, usually helps find it. Um, and yeah, I hope, hope you love it. Thank you so much. And oh, we, we totally do. I, I know our, our listeners will as well. And you guys can find Absolutely. us at The Cut Music One on both Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. And that is the number one in all cases. And when this episode comes out on our Twitter, the it will be the pinned tweet, which will have uh, all the links that, that uh, Matt just mentioned uh, also in the episode description of Spotify. This has been... Uh, this has been an amazing episode. Uh, I, I I love that the episodes that I'm most excited for are when we get such talented artists uh, to come on and just, you know, fuck the word interview, just hang out with us. Like this has been a blast yeah. sitting and talking about music. So thank you again. Uh, we've been Mike and the Moosh. And we will talk to you guys <laughs> next week. Peace. <laughs>